from the Edwin Cardinal O'Brien Pastoral Center in Washington, D.C., home base for the Archdiocese for the Military Services, USA. This is Catholic Military Life, the official podcast of the Archdiocese. Here now your moderator, Public Affairs Director Taylor Henry. Thank you, Elizabeth LaSalle, and today we are talking to you from uh, Daniel O'Connell's bar in Old Town, Alexandria. I'm talking to uh, First Marine Lieutenant Retired Edward Rouse, uh, Mr. Chris Waller, and Miss Debbie Brett Charon, uh, nephews and niece of uh, two priests who were twin buried today at Arlington Cemetery, both of whom were military chaplains. Um, uh, Lieutenant Rouse, can you give me the background on uh, how this came about? Okay, uh, originally when Bob was killed in Vietnam, my grandmother forbid, as next of kin, forbid any military involvement or military cemeteries. She insisted that he be buried at St. Mary's Manor, the seminary in Pendell, Pennsylvania that he attended. And so, Bob was one of your uncles, Bob uh, Brent. Correct, right, right. And so that's what happened, because the military follows whatever the next of kin says, that's what they do. I think in the family we talked about, especially Debbie's, bro, uh, Debbie's uh, father, Joe, was the oldest brother, talked about moving Bob away and everything, but nothing could happen as long as my grandmother was alive, because she was the next of kin and she forbid it. So once she had passed away in 1980, then the family started to talk about it again. Her father was like the leader of the family, and he was talking about it. Debbie's father, Joe, was the leader of the family, and he was talking about it and talking about it. But nothing really came about until the military decided that they were going to name the Naval Chaplain School after Bob. Now, that was voted by his peers. They didn't vote it. You know, I don't know if you want to record this, but they didn't vote it for Cap Cap Capitano. They voted it for Bob. So once that happened, then it all started to roll. Debbie was involved in that with her father because her father was the next of kin at that time and so on and so forth. You might have more information about that. Okay, so let me interrupt you here. Father Bob was killed in Vietnam. When? What year? Do you remember? February 22nd, Washington's birthday, 1968. And he was interred where? St. Mary's Manor in Pendell, Pennsylvania, the school that he attended as the seminary. And how long did he rest there? 30 years. 30 years. Okay, so uh, what was the occasion where he was uh, disinterred and buried with his brother, his older brother, Frank, here at Arlington Cemetery? I was visiting Ed's parents, and his dad had mentioned how he was upset because the, the Bob's order had sold the manor house, and it's now like a neighborhood development or something, but they had to leave the cemetery intact. But nobody was caring for the cemetery, and it was all overgrown with weeds and everything like that. And so I kind of got, like, a little outraged about that. And somebody had mentioned Arlington, and I said, well, why don't we move to Arlington? And so this is the beginning of computers, and I, so I, I get home, I find out who I'm supposed to talk to. I email. I, I didn't even know you got emails back. You know, I, I gave him my address and my phone number, and I never heard. Well, I had, I had to go back and check my email. And they said to me, he sent me an email, and he said, absolutely, we want Bob. We've been waiting for him for 30 years. And now let me get this straight. Uh, Father Bob, your uncle, uh, 
died a hero's death. Uh, can you tell me about that in Vietnam? How was he killed? Uh, he, <coughs> there was the siege of Khe Sanh, which was in the in early uh, 1968. It lasted 77 days, I believe. And they were trying to evacuate from there. And they were sending helicopters in to take out maybe a dozen people at a time. And uh, Uncle Bob was in a foxhole with a number of people, and it was his turn to go in the helicopter. But he gave up his spot to uh, a young man who was the, the person who delivered the mail to all the troops. And he said, I'll get the next helicopter. Uh, and he went back in the foxhole, and before the next helicopter came, it got hit by a rocket. And he and I think six, seven other people in that foxhole were all killed that night. Now, Father Bob was a Navy chaplain or Army chaplain? Correct. He was a Navy chaplain. He was the Marine Corps receives all their chaplains from the Navy. They receive all their medical personnel from the Navy. We don't have our own. So Bob was assigned to the 2nd Battalion, 26 Marines. What happened was he, he went down to an area known as Charlie Med. Charlie stands for C, Medevac area, okay? And they got into a slit trench, and the slit trench is a trench that's open, not a bunker. And as Chris said, he was waiting to be returned to the battalion headquarters, which was on a hill named 558. The hills are named by the meters, so it's 558 meters. So he was waiting to go back on that to get uh, transport back to his headquarters battalion where he was supposed to be. The helicopter comes in. The enemy has the zone bracketed, which means they already know the distance and they know the range. And when they see a helicopter coming in, they know where it's going, so they start firing. You have 30 seconds to get everybody on the chopper and get out of there because the rounds are going to start coming in. So Bob went up there. The crew chief is the man who rides in the back. He's actually in charge of the helicopter, not the pilots. He just tells them what to do. He goes, "Chaps, get on the." That's a nickname for the chaplain. Chaps, get on the, get on the chopper. I got one. I can take one more person. And Bob says. No, let Pete Post, Pete was a lieutenant like me, said Pete, let Pete Post go, he has the mail. So he went back to the trench, the helicopter banks away like this, because you don't want to fly up like that because you become a target again. So it banks away like this, wham, the people riding in the helicopter heard the impact. It was a 122 millimeter rocket. Wow. So Father Bob gave up his seat on the helicopter to the mail delivery man. Remember in combat, in the Marine Corps, the most important thing is ammunition. The next important thing is mail from home. I hear you. Okay, uh, so uh, how did uh, your brother, uh, your uncle, pardon me, uh, Father Frank, uh, become a military chaplain? Was that after his younger brother Bob was killed? How did that happen? Well, he, he was, we were all devastated. I was, you know, older than Ed. I was probably 11. Or no, I freshman in high school, actually. And um, we were all kind of destroyed by it. And so the next thing you knew, Bob, I mean, uh, Frank said, I'm going in, you know. And I don't know how many months it was afterwards. Well, actually, what happened, I found out in my uncle's papers by going through the papers. He had, he had applied for the chaplaincy. And his application was pending when Bob was killed. Okay, so they stopped it. Kind of one of those Saving Private Ryan things, he would have been exempt because uh, we'd already lost one in battle. Right. I see. That's right. So he could have passed even if. That's correct. Passed. 
but he decided to go. Correct. Wow. So he volunteered for the chaplain's corps, and then, as Debbie said, he could have passed on Vietnam because one sibling was already killed. So then he volunteered for Vietnam as well. And what did his mother think about that? She was not happy. <laughs> I mean, it was clear. That's an understatement. It was, it was clear. I mean, you know, I, I lived right near her. She lived a few blocks, really, from, from our house. And... Uh, it was it was a difficult time in the family then. Everything was tense because Nana, as we called her, was very upset. That and you know, her, Nana was the matriarch of the oh, family. Nobody talked back to her. Nobody. Nobody. Right? I mean, nobody talked but, back to her. But Frank was resolute. I mean, he was going to do this, and there was no way anybody was going to tell him no, even his mom. So Father Frank Brett ends up in Vietnam with the U.S. Army. Correct. And he served without incident? Served in two units. So when he first came to Vietnam, he served in the 716th Military Police Battalion in Saigon. And the stories he told me, I mean, he grew up really fast. Let's be frank about it, okay? You're in the military police. They're the police for the military. So they're down in Saigon. They're busting up whorehouses where the soldiers go. They're busting up. They're, they're arresting deserters. They're arresting drug addicts. They're 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 dealing with criminals. Okay, just like regular police do, except they're military criminals. He grew up real fast, according to what he told me, related to me. Wow. So after that. You say that he had two assignments in Vietnam? Correct. He was, I believe, and this is only supposition on my part and some experience from being in the service, that when he went to Vietnam, they sent him to the military police battalion on purpose because it was in Saigon and it was away from the front, away from the battles. He must have said something because the last six months he was with the infantry in combat. And any uh, experiences, any stories that you know from his time there? Frank went out to a fire base one time. The fire base is where they, they, they come to the top of a mountain and they, they get to the top of the mountain and they take control of the top of the mountain and they put up barbed wire and they make a position and they put up the artillery. Chris was saying how upset my grandmother was. I was in eighth grade, seventh and eighth grade. I would go to her house because it was right behind the school, and I would eat lunch there every day. She would have these platters ready for me. We would watch the Washington, uh, the uh, no, the uh, Hollywood Squares. Remember that where they asked the questions? Yeah. We'd watch that every day, and every day she was whining and crying about Frank and you know being in the army, and and of course I, you know I was her listening. Listening, sounding board, you know. So how long did uh, Father Frank serve in Vietnam? Uh, the Army, the Marine Corps did 13 months in Vietnam in, in, in a rotation. The Army did 10 or 11 months. So that's what he served. About, about a year. I think it was 11. About a year. Okay, and he did all this knowing that his younger brother had been there in the same capacity with the Navy. He was killed instantly with a mortar strike. Father Frank comes back. He uh, goes where then? Where does Father Frank go when he comes back? Or did he continues his career in the military? He stayed in the military, and I think at that point he went to Hawaii. Because he spent some time in Tennessee, I mean Texas, and then he also spent some time... San Antonio Burn Center. Yeah. And then he went, he went uh, to Hawaii. He was also stationed for a while at Walter Reed um, for uh, end-of-life uh, counseling. 
And um, then he moved to where I lived in Florida with my father and, and mother. And so he lived in and around us for many years. Let me tell you when I found it. There was a period of time where he was in Okinawa. That was before he went to Vietnam. That was before yeah. Vietnam. Let me tell you about what I found in his papers. This is only recent revelations. No one in the family knows this, I don't think. When I opened his papers and started going through his papers, and I sent these these documents to the archives for the Diocese of Knoxville with Bishop Sticke, who was here today. He was at Walter Reed Hospital, as Debbie said, and he was the Catholic chaplain there. Okay? Gets a call one day, and he has to go to the hospital to give the last rites and it's a man named Anthony McAuliffe. Does that ring a bell? How about the word nuts? Battle of Bulge? The Bastogne. Bastogne. Okay. okay. He's dying. When, the, when the, uh, the Germans offered them, you know, to surrender, and, uh, and so McAuliffe sends, sends back nuts. Oh, yeah, okay. You, did you did you know this? Did you know that Frank had given him the last rites? No, I didn't. Know okay, so now fast forward again. General Abrams, Creighton Abrams, does that name ring a bell to you? Yes. Okay, World War II war hero, chief of staff of the U.S. Army, chief of staff of the whole military of the United States. He's dying in the hospital. Frank gives him the last rites and spends a week with him. Mrs. Abrams sent a letter. It was in Frank's files. She sent a letter thanking him for that. I sent it to the diocese for the archives. So Father Frank had a long uh, career in the Army, 30 years, I think, right? Wasn't he in the Army? He, did a, 20. he, he was also stationed in Germany for oh, quite he, a while. He went back in. He had his initial stint, right. he left, and that's when he lived with us initially in Florida. Not with us, but in the same area. And he got, went on to get his Ph.D. in, in uh, psychology. And then after he completed that, he resigned, re-signed up again for the military. And went, he went back over into Germany and Holland. I think that was yeah. it. He was the chief chaplain for NATO. Catholic chaplain. Chief chaplain for NATO. Catholic chaplain. Now, De- Debbie brings up an interesting point, or a point that I think is worth mentioning. Frank was the highest rank officer in the history of the family. He was a lieutenant colonel. And he also was the highest educated person in the family. No one I know of has ever had a PhD in the family. Florida Institute of Technology? Yeah. Okay, so uh, let's fast forward. And uh, so uh, uh, Father Frank retires from the Army. He goes back to His diocese. Uh, And he was a pastor of St. Joseph's Church in Norris, Tennessee. And uh, so he, uh, when did Father Frank die? December December 18th, 18th. 2017. So so for the past two years, uh, the family has been uh, trying to get the two brothers reunited, buried together at Arlington Cemetery. How did that go about? That must have been a real uh, exercise in bureaucracy. When we we exhumed Bob and, and moved him to Arlington, when we were when we were there 20 years ago, um, Frank contacted Arlington at that point to be in, to see if he could be interned with Bob. Let me add to that. Frank was staying at my house then, okay. And the next day or the day after, I was driving him to Dulles Airport, and I said, Uncle Frank, that's where you need to go. And he looked at me, and I told him the truth. Because I, I had done some investigation when Bob was buried there, 
I said to him, and when Alexander Chin was buried, I said, there's two grave sites at every grave. And he went, really? So then what he did, then he started calling people, and he and all the notes are still in the file. He wrote all the notes. I talked to so-and-so, and he said it's okay. I mean, it's like 20 years ago that so-and-so is not there anymore, you know. But he wrote it all down. That's how he, that's how he Well, got you know, they dig the d- double graves uh, for spouse. Well, Correct. there was no spouse. Correct. You know, so... <laughs> they got the idea to, you know, have him buried, you know, whenever he passed. Is this the first time that the second spot in a grave at Arlington has been given to someone other than a spouse? I have no we, idea. We, we don't know. We believe it's the first time two brothers who were priests, who were both in Vietnam and received honors for being there, were buried together yeah. on Chaplin's Hill. And we believe that to be true. Did that take an act of Congress, or how did you manage to get that? No, what happened was when Frank died, I'm the executor of his estate. So when Frank died, uh, he died on December 18th. Now remember, he was dying over a period of time. So from September 1st, when I started to figure out something was wrong, until Christmas Eve, that's when I got back home, because his funeral mass was on the 20th. And I just, I was all totally spent by then. I had to rest. So the brothers are like, stay there, we'll give you your food. You know, you just relax. So I got back on Christmas Eve. From September 1st to Christmas Eve, I spent six weeks out of those 15 weeks there with Frank. Because he was dying, you know, and I had to do all these things and whatnot. And as power of attorney and executor, nobody else could do it. I, I had to do it. Uh, so once he died on the 18th, uh, and I got everything settled there and I got back, I decompressed for like a week and in January I started the paperwork to get him reburied. So you started the paperwork in January 2018 and here it is April 2019? Not bad, 16 months. Yeah, it's government. <laughs> but, the, but the point of the matter is though that they, they approved it in August. But then once they approve it, then you got to get on the schedule. So then... You know, they said, well, we got one opening between now and, like, March. And I said, what is it? Christmas Eve. I said, no. <laughs> uh, and so I should add that the reason we're at uh, Daniel O'Connell's here in Old Town Alexandria is that uh, you just finished the internment at Arlington Cemetery, and the whole family is gathered here uh, for a social hour. And uh, how did the internment go? How was that? I think it was one of the most beautiful things that anybody could have ever seen. Um, it was a full full military honors, um, you know, with the uh, 21 gun salute and taps, and uh, even people who were uh, tourists visiting Arlington today during the procession were standing on the side as the procession went by and saluting with their hands over their hearts, and were trying to get as close to the uh, the. The proceedings as they could. It was it was beautiful from start to finish. The bishop from Knoxville was there, and the general of the chaplains was there. The chief of chaplains, chief of the U.S. Army was there. Father uh, Hurley, Hurley, right? right. And uh, it was the, the, you know the weather was spectacular. Everything about today was just beautiful, and, and just it all came together in a tribute to Uncle Bob and Uncle Frank today. Wow, so what an inspiring story. You have two brothers, both Catholic military chaplains. One killed in action in Vietnam, the other goes to Vietnam after the death. Here now they're buried together. What should we remember about the brothers Brett? Okay, here's the Brett family. This is the Brett family, okay? 
It's the bread family that spans time and space. Bob gives up his seat. Why? Because he, he knows that mail is important to Marines. And he's thinking about other people. And it cost him his life. Not only cost his life, but it cost the life of his aide, Alexander Chin, who was buried next to him. And we, we did that the year after Bob was buried there. Now, let's fast forward. I'm, I'm up in Chattanooga tending to Frank and so on and so forth, trying to figure out what's wrong with him, trying to see what's going to happen. And I get a call that my mother, his sister, had a stroke. I tell the brothers, I said, I got to leave. Can you keep an eye on Frank? They're like, no problem, go. So I drive to Philadelphia. I walk in the room. My mother looks up at me and she first thing she says, sweetie, you came a long way. She, she had a stroke. She doesn't say, hey, get me out of this place. I had a stroke, you know. No, she's thinking about me. I drove a long way. I come back. I spend a week with my mother. I come back. I walk into Frank's room. He opens his eyes. Now, here's a man who's dying. He's in the hospice already. And he says to me, Edward, you're here again. I said, yes, Reverend Father. And he says, your schedule must be totally disrupted. He's talking about me. So I almost bust out crying because, but I'm not letting some army man see me cry. So I turn around and I go and I say, this is exactly where I'm supposed to be. That's the Brett family. And I think I would add to that, that from Debbie's dad, our Uncle Joe, who was the oldest, to my mom, who was the youngest, what they all have in common is that they always thought of others first. Always, all five of them. Always thought of others first. Well, before we wrap it up here, can we go around just so our listener doesn't get confused and uh, each of you uh, tell me how you're related to the brothers, fathers, Frank and Bob Frank. My father, Joe, is the oldest of the Brett clan. And I'm his second daughter. So he's the oldest brother. Oldest brother. And unfortunately, I am the oldest cousin. (laughs) I'm the second oldest, and I'm Rosemary's oldest son. I'm the oldest male in the family. And uh, Rosemary was the oldest female among the Brett's daughters. So the sister of the two priests. Correct. And my mom was the youngest of the five, Anastasia. Uh, and I'm her oldest of her six children. And she was the, uh, the youngest sister. The youngest sister. Okay. Yes. Well, uh, thank you so much, uh, um, First Lieutenant Edward Rouse, USMC retired, uh, Mr. Chris Lawler, and Miss Debbie Brett Sharon. Uh, really appreciate you talking to us today. Thank you so much. Thank you so much, sir. Thank, thank you. you.